0: To two guys in a chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And we are wrapping up our month of requests this week. And we went back through some of our Facebook messages. A loyal listener of ours, Megan, had asked us several times about our opinions of the movie Jeepers Creepers 3. And since we have reviewed both Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2, we thought, you know, let's go for it. Let's mm-hmm. let's give it give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did. Gosh, Todd, I didn't even write this down. What what year did Jeepers Creepers 3 come out?
1: Oh, just last year. It was just last year in uh September, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, it kind of seems I guess it maybe kind of seems like it's been out longer than that because it was released. They did have... a very limited theatrical release. I think that they released it in one theater. <laughs> it, it came out uh, on video on demand, and it came out on um, Netflix, and I think some of the other streaming services. And it was released all at the same time, which generally, in my opinion, is not a
1: very good sign. <laughs> you yeah. do kind of wonder, right? Like, you don't. What do they not want people to see this too much in advance before they start making their money back on it? You know, right.
0: are they are they anticipating a poor return? Right. Like, <laughs> who knows? It's obviously uh, the second sequel to the original Jeepers Creepers. All three movies were written and directed by Victor Salva. And um, we've done this. We, okay, so we've done both other Jeepers Creepers movies and we did uh, another Salva movie Clown House very, very early when we first started doing this. And any time that we've tackled uh, a Victor Salva movie, we have made a point of saying that you know, Victor Salva has a sordid history. Um, he was convicted um, of uh, sexual misconduct against a child. Obviously, uh, we certainly do not condone that kind of behavior. We find that to be abhorrent. Uh, however, you know, we you know talked about it, and we came to the decision that we could still look at his art and try to objectively talk about uh, his work uh, kind of separate from his personal life. So just throwing that out there again, because I know that there are some people who are very passionate about, you know, not being supportive of of somebody with that sort of history. And if that's the case and you don't want to listen to this episode, turn it off and uh, I applaud you for your convictions. But we are going to go ahead and talk about the movie and, be sad that something ugly happened a really long time ago. Yep. But anyway, so Jeepers Creepers 3. I really liked Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2 a lot. Both of them. Um, I thought that Jeepers Creepers 1, as far as monster movies are concerned, was pretty unique. One of the things that I liked most about it was that there was a lot of mystery um, surrounding the antagonist. And for the first half of the movie, you re- if you didn't know anything going into it, you really just would have thought that this was just some really bad guy. yeah, uh, and, and it was only revealed about halfway or maybe even a little bit further through the movie that it was in fact this monster with these supernatural powers and he was quite scary in that movie obviously going into the second movie we already knew that and so they didn't waste any time you know trying to be mysterious about you know who the antagonist was and we just had another monster flick but uh It changed things up um, with a different type of ensemble cast. It was this big group uh, of high school kids as opposed to in the first movie when it was just these two young people who were being stalked. Now we've got this whole big group of kids in peril. And so I was really excited, really excited when I heard that Jeepers Creepers 3 was going to come out. And I had initially heard that um, it was going to return to the story of Trish and Derry, the uh, two main folks from the, the first movie. So I was really looking forward to that. And as it turns out, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really, anyway. I mean, there, there are, are certainly tie-ins, but not really. This movie went in a different direction, And uh, kind of, um, at least not in the direction that I had expected. And I I have to admit that I was super stoked about it. And I watched it immediately when it first came out. And the first time I saw it, I was so disappointed. I was just so disappointed. And and I feel like I'm going to have to kind of, in talking to you... Kind of figure out why uh, I was so disappointed by it because subsequently I've watched it two more times. You know, one day it just happened to be on sci-fi uh, on cable, um, and I sat and watched it. And then, of course, I watched it again for this. And with each new viewing, I've disliked it less. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, he's really turning you around here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, really, frankly, watching it again yesterday for this podcast, I was kind of like, man, you were pretty harsh about this the first time you watched it. It's it's maybe not... As bad as as I made it out to be. Now I still don't think that it's on par with the first two, but uh, I'll be
1: interested to see what you think. Well, I, You know, I think this is always a problem when you do sequels is the expectations. You know, trying to match expectations, especially when you have a really good solid film, and especially if that film is really unique. And we, one thing that we said about Jeepers Creepers was we thought it was really unique. It was quite original, um, despite the fact that at the end of the day, it's a monster movie. You know, they just it, it takes you some it's some interesting twists and turns. It really. Subverts your expectations many many cases and it has a sense of humor uh, and a great cast you know it was great and so then going into the second one what are they going to do you know we've said this about sequels before like are you going to just rehash what you did the first time to give fans what you think they want are you going to expand upon what you did the first time Uh, or are you going to take it in a whole different direction and run the risk of alienating the people that liked whatever they liked about the first movie Mm -hmm. that you're not including in the sequel and in this case I think we both came to the conclusion Conclusion that that second one was really quite smart in the direction that it went, uh, and it still had the feel of a very original movie, um, even though it was uh, you know a sequel to this movie. And so I think with the third one, that's probably what you were facing. I think is this history of two really original, quality, interesting, fun movies. How is that third one going to measure up? And Could it ever, (laughs) you know? Right. What direction can they take it in? And I would say, um, I think this third film follows in that tradition, I guess, that Salva has of trying to do, do something unique and original with each iteration of this movie. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And with this movie, and that's why I feel it's, it's, it's a bit uneven. In some ways, I felt like maybe he was trying a little too hard uh, to be original by trying to cram a lot of different stuff in here. And I think the thing that makes this movie a little more difficult for me, and it's one of the biggest changes from the first two films, is its plot line. In the first two movies, is a pretty singular plot line going through. Yeah. Um, the second movie, there's there's a slight parallel plot, you know, with a farmer and and uh, his son, and all that kind of on their right. own little but 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 that 's that 's almost a sidelined thing that just comes in at the end, whereas this movie has like four or five different sets of characters in different locations who all have their things going on, and we spend a lot of the movie bouncing back and forth between them and trying to resolve them. And what that did for me for this film is it took away the whole feel of the first movies, which were these just these intense creature flicks. People find themselves in this perilous situation, they're increasingly isolated and they have to, you know, defend themselves or try to fight back against this creature. In this movie, I just felt like all of these little plot lines, and the back and forth really bogged down the the pacing to where you didn't really even see the creeper that much, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. When he comes in, he comes in, he comes in strong. But it's like he just kind of, he can pop in here. He kind of pops in there. He pops and takes these people out. He pops and takes these people out. It's just such a spread out, haphazard affair that you just don't get that intensity. Right. The, The scenes within themselves can be somewhat intense, but... You're not getting that build of these, these, these people that we spend a lot of time with and in kind of a confined situation uh, that we get to know them really well so that when they're put in peril, you know, we really get an, a stronger emotional attachment. I didn't feel like, I felt like there are just so many characters in this movie that, um, and they were all kind of doing their own thing, that I never got terribly emotionally attached to any of them to the point where there was real suspense uh, in these the moments when they are, are, are facing the creature. Yep,
0: yep, there you go. That's one of the things that I didn't like. (laughs) I'm just going to, good, you're going to help me tick, tick them off. You know, I don't need to repeat what you said, but yeah, you just don't feel any real connection to any of them. And I guess that in the first two movies, even though there was a much larger cast of characters in the second movie. You know, they were all confined in this small space, and they were all very much kind of in it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this, everything is kind of spread out, like you said. And again, you know, something different. I guess I have to give credit where credit is due. I, I probably would have complained just as much, if not more, if it had just been a repeat of the first two. Yeah. Now, that's one, that's one of the things that... I. I and I, I told my partner, I was talking to him about this, and I said, I think that part of the reason that I didn't like it is just that it just felt so different in some ways from the first two movies. And one of the major things, and again, this just isn't inherently bad, but the first movies literally were very dark. Now, in the second movie, some, mm. some of the things with the main characters happened during the day, but most of the action and the scary stuff happened at night. And I would say that 90% of this movie happens in bold, bright daylight. Yeah. And that's fine but it just it was almost unsettling to me to see this dark mysterious creature in broad daylight to the point that it almost just kind of felt like he could have just been like a truck driver <laughs> you know yeah. like mm-hmm. like he he he's wearing like this red t-shirt and like he just looks kind of like buff and <laughs> i don't know it was weird it just felt so weird and different to me i kind of I mean, the monster himself in appearance is kind of bat-like, and I just, you know, I would just anticipate that he would do most of his stalking in the nighttime. And in this movie, it's almost entirely just broad daylight the whole time. Yeah. Um, and it, I, yeah. I, it's again, it's not inherently bad. It's just so different that it just felt like a kind of a different entity than the first couple.
1: Well, and you know, it's you, like yeah, I completely agree. And th- the fact of the matter is that this the, the the premise of this of these films in case you haven't seen the first two is there's this creature and he comes back every 23 years yeah. and he has to basically kill a bunch of people <laughs> in order yeah. to continue to live and it's really still kind of mysterious why and kind of where he comes from and all that stuff and that's still not resolved by the end of this movie though we kind of feel like in an intended sequel to this one we might be starting to get some answers at least yeah. some people already know which is another weird thing I think we'll get to also right so that's that's the the idea and so with those rules and because he's practically invincible it he can run around in the daylight and kill people, and then I guess the idea is that people sort of forget about it after 23 years. And, yeah, I guess. But that just kind of... When it happens at night, and it's more mysterious that way, and people you know, are getting murdered and things like that at the end of the day, when everything's wrapped up and you've got all of these so this, this sort of incident that happened where these people died and you nobody really knew why. And that's kind of how it goes in the history books, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a little easier to swallow than here is a period of time <laughs> in this one community where people are dying everywhere in all these gruesome and crazy ways. And we're getting whisked away. Um, and then mm-hmm. at the end of it, you know, because kind of, the story kind of wraps around, this takes place just before the sequel Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of it, we know there's going to be a big busload of kids that are killed. Right, right. It really makes it extremely hard to believe that the the next 23 years later, um, people are going to not be prepared for this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not going to have done all their research and kind of know everything and anything, and this guy isn't going to be in real trouble. And how would this monster have survived this long if this was his approach for all of the decades previous, you know, that he's been doing throughout human history. So it stretches credibility when it goes into this territory as well. It's not just less mysterious when you see the stuff happening in the daylight, broad daylight in the middle of a field. And it's it's almost like they're just doing battle against like a guy, like you said, but yeah, it starts to really stretch that credibility. And I found that kind of um, nagging at me through the whole movie as well.
0: Yeah. And you bring up something interesting as far as timeline is concerned. Like, In the series of films, this movie actually transpires in between the first two. And the first two happen within two days of each other. So Mm -hmm. all three movies happen within the time frame of like two days. Uh, And I'm just going to go ahead and say it now because it really bothers me. It's going to spoil some things for the end, but whatever, folks, you don't care. You've seen the movie. We find out in the very beginning... And it starts out dark, it's cool, like, oh, there's crows, and they're kind of the harbinger of the creeper or whatever, and um, the creeper, you know, chases some kid down the road, and and he can fly, so he, not the kid, the creeper, he can fly, so he, like, you know, swoops this kid away, and then we see a big machete fall out of the sky, and, and a hand fall out of the sky, and then it says 23 years later and we go to a scene where the cops are checking out the creeper's truck and it becomes apparent because they say it in the dialogue that um this is happening immediately after the events of the first movie. At the end of the first movie, the last showdown goes by, goes down in the police station, and Derry, the main character, gets taken away by the creeper, and we see in the very last scene of that movie that he's killed. And then he shows up as a spirit in the second movie. So, you know, we're, we're, we know the time frame, and then there are little hints throughout the movie... Like, we see uh, banners. Like, there's a hay store uh, where we go a couple of times uh, and where one of the main characters works. His dad owns it. And there's a, a banner for the Something County Bantams, which is the team from the second movie. Mm-hmm. So there are these little hints and little connections. But one of the, uh, another problem that I had with it is that we follow this one kid buddy... You know, he's not really a central character, but he's in it a lot. Um, And we see him a lot, and he deals with the Creeper left and right, like, you know, first-hand experience. The girl that he has a crush on gets targeted by the Creeper and gets taken by him at some point. Um, But, again, spoiler alert, he lives. And at the very end of the movie, we see him get on the bus that then is going to be the bus that is besieged by the creeper later in that day. Which, you know, is kind of cool in that it ties the movies together and it's kind of a wink and a nod to the audience. Like, oh, well, yeah, here, you know, we're setting up for the, you know, the next event or whatever. But it doesn't make any sense. No. Because, because... In the second movie, these kids on the bus get attacked by this thing, and none of them have any idea what it is. Well, yeah. was that kid just asleep? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because he had just spent the whole previous night dealing with this yeah. thing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I guess it. I guess it's picking
1: nits, but that well, really
0: bothered me. <laughs> this
1: is a pretty big nits, though, you know? I mean, it's a pretty big... Uh... I, I don't i don't get it uh, maybe somebody's explained it somewhere online to make it sense maybe he maybe he, they let him off the bus early in between <laughs> i don't know I, I guess
0: maybe he got sick and had to go
1: home <laughs> yeah yeah that, that could be it that's the only way you could really explain that away oh, uh, okay uh, we, we we get introduced uh, to this um cop his name is danny now please help me out here i do I don't remember him from the other movies, but is he a recurring character?
0: He's not a recurring character from the other movies, but uh, he was in Monster Squad. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Stan Shaw, yeah. Uh
1: It does actually introduce a number of these characters who are presumably previous victims, like they've survived encounters with the creature. And so... This guy shows up, Danny, right on the scene. Um, once they have this truck, and one of the neat things that I think they they always they always introduce something new. I think in each of these sequels, and in this one, I thought it was interesting that they really ramped up the truck. Like before, that I tell me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that the truck was just a big, ugly, scary truck that he ran around and threw his bodies into. Yes. But in this movie, this truck is like a, a tank that is custom built. It's kind of a mysterious death trap machine that has almost a mind of its own uh, in many ways. Or maybe the creeper can somewhat control it from afar, or maybe it just, it just is sentient and looks out for his best interests, or you know whatever's <laughs> going on. As they're investigating this truck, they've you know, they open it up. They see these bodies in there, and one guy goes in to investigate and comes out, and he swings his arm back to point into it, and there are these metal gates. It's like a spikes spikes that shoot down and you know slam shut on the across the back of the truck and uh, hurt his arm or cut it off. I can't remember which. Uh, and then throughout the movie, we see that the tail one of the tailpipes uh, can shoot out a really long spear with a it's like a winches it back you know across like a supernatural distance and then i mean i guess we're going a little far ahead but it drops like these these landmine things that can like fly around and and get cars it's 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 all pretty nuts and it sort of begs the question why didn't we see this before um. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy.
0: Like you are just nailing all these things on the head. The things that really bothered me. This bothers me. Like, cause in the first movie, the truck was really scary. Like it was really menacing on the road, and any time it showed up, you knew the creeper was coming, and it was super scary. Then in the second movie, it wasn't in it at all. I guess he just had it like parked in a Walmart <laughs> or something. Um, and it's then in charged. this movie. In the, yeah, in this movie, it's the goddamn Batmobile. Like what? <laughs> like I it's so like, true. And okay, like uh, all right, fine. Uh, maybe I can even though it doesn't make any from a physical, it doesn't make any sense. Like where no. do these huge spikes come from? Like out of the air? Like it doesn't make any sense. And and then It the bombs I I think that I could have dealt with the spikes. I think that I could have dealt with the big spear that's like attached to the wire rope that can like you know, reel people in. I think I could have got on board with that. But then it starts Dropping these like freaking guided missiles out of the bottom of it, and like, 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 like they're these balls that it drops out and they start rolling. But n- it's not like they just drop out and like, oh well, we can avoid them and just you know go around or whatever. But no, like they are like guided, like, Search and destroy. The, like they'll turn around and chase you. Yeah,
1: what? It's this. It's high <laughs> technology for the creeper, and and, and it just it just sort of begs. And it, I think it neuters him in a way too. You know because. It was, just, it was cool when he was this big, scary demon who had these powers, but he has, even though he seems fairly invincible, he does have some weaknesses, you know? We're not actually certain what his ultimate weakness is, but we do know that he can have arms lopped off, he can be d- incapacitated, things like that. But now that he has a truck that he's kitted out, with all these fancy features in some way like I- I'm just trying to picture him like in the garage tinkering with this stuff in his spare time uh-huh. like what you know what is is this what he does you know in the 23 years between this kind of soups <laughs> up his car you know like I, I it's, it's just kind of like it's it's not so supernatural anymore and it's it loses that simplicity and once again you're like okay and, and I guess this is the other thing that I didn't like about this about this movie or a flaw that I saw it. I really hate to do all this nitpicking, because I really do appreciate him trying to go in a new direction. I, but I get it, yeah. More than ever before, this this thing just seemed so invincible, right? Uh-huh. That uh-huh. after a while, I just stopped caring about the little battles that he'd get in with all these people. I just figured, everyone's going to die. Because if it wasn't him, it was the truck. Either way... It just he just he just felt too invincible in this movie. Yeah, there were times in the in the first two movies where you know he he was in peril, and it was kind of they, they even yes. made except for one moment in this film where they really I thought went back to uh, there's a scene in this movie where I felt like they really revisited sort of almost the comedic elements of of him. Trying to overcome his weaknesses when he gets incapacitated, like loses a wing or something like that, you know, uh-huh. it gets kind of silly in this movie. Except for one scene like that, I was just like, okay, yeah, he's they're going to run, but this sh- the spike's going to shoot out of the car and get them, and sure enough, it does. And
0: right. oh yeah,
1: you know, he's they're they're going to shoot at this truck, but we've all seen that bullets just bounce off of it, so it's all going to ricochet back at them, and it just got so predictable, right? I, and I didn't care about any of the characters too much, so I was like, all right, this is going to be kind of a high body count movie this thing's going to be pretty invincible and I'm just interested to see where it eventually goes with his severed hand and this whole side plot thing that they get right
0: so. <laughs> and we'll get there my my gosh you know god we're just rambling on and on we'll get to the plot and we'll go through it real quick but yeah like in the first movie Trish could run over him with his her car And that would really incapacitate him. Like, he had trouble getting up. He couldn't fly. In this movie, he can get shot with a military-grade like tank machine gun at yeah. point blank range and he's fine. Like yeah. what?
1: He just stands up. And or he gets creamed by supposedly creamed by a semi. He's in the middle of the road and the semi comes barreling down and Trish's car was not a semi. Right. right. It was just a normal car. But when when he gets hit by the semi, instead of getting crushed beneath it, it just like he flies back, like defying the laws of physics through the air with no damage. It's eh. Okay, so we've got Sheriff Dan, who, you know, is like this
0: kind of presented as this like trench coat wearing badass. And he's got like this whole posse of people, like you said, that have lost family members or have had some sort of interaction with the creeper before. And so, you know, they're kind of on their little mission. We really don't even see them all that much. We see Dan quite a bit.
1: That's the other. I hate to interrupt you again, but I mean, it's seriously, fine. like I thought this was an element of the movie. Okay, we have this like special. They even have their own patch, right? Uh-huh. Little flaming yeah. skull thing on them. I'm like, oh wow, this is interesting. There's like a gang of people who like get themselves worked up over 23 years, try to figure out this guy's weakness and go after it. It's a revenge vendetta kind of thing. No, they barely show up in the movie. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing. I mean,
0: I I feel like if he had focused on that, that could have been its own interesting movie. You know, all these people coming back who had, you know, some kind of personal vendetta. That could have been cool. You know, maybe even Trish could have hooked up with those folks, you know, and they could have worked to fight the guy together or whatever, but they really just play fourth fiddle. You know, they're hardly there at all. Mm -hmm. Um and then we've also got this old lady played by Meg Foster. Now, I've seen Meg Foster in several things, um, and she's always so recognizable to me because she has these ice blue eyes, like these, these pale, pale eyes. I almost wonder if she's vision impaired because <laughs> her <laughs> eyes are so, so light um, in pigment. And she, you know, we have uh, reviewed They Live, and she's the central female character in that movie. And she was big in the 80s, and and she's just got this really cool look. In in this movie, they just have her looking like she has been rode hard and hung out to dry. Like, she just
1: looks awful. She's so (laughs) Sorry,
0: Meg Foster. I love you. (laughs) I think that you're fantastic, but... Oh man, time has not been good to you Or they did a really good job of making it look like that Yeah. But anyway, so apparently She's got this dead son Who comes back and visits her every once in a while And she goes out and talks to him And
1: <laughs> Time's up It's coming back, just like I said Why? Stop asking, it doesn't matter You,
0: tell me why It's coming here Pieces
1: of it left behind They're full of secrets about it
0: And it turns out that her dead son is, one, the guy we saw in the beginning of the movie who was driving a car and who saw the creeper take the kid away and who saw the hand fall out of the air. And so he has the hand. But if I'm not mistaken, he's also the same kid from the legend from part one where they talk about these young people who were on their way to prom and – you know, we're on this certain highway and then we're never seen again. Mm. Um, I think it's supposed to be that same guy. She, Galen, Meg Foster's character, Galen, has a granddaughter named Addison, who I think is supposed to be the main character, but it's so sparse that she's really not any bigger than anybody else. Galen tells Addison I need you to go away for a few days because her dead son had said, he's coming back here. He's going to come back to get the piece, which we know is the hand. And so she tells her to to go away for a few days, but um, she doesn't. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> you know, it's so funny in trying to, in trying to talk about the plot, like it's so choppy, like it's difficult to even, and because yeah. it cuts back and forth to all of these people, so quickly like you'll just get a quick scene with one person and they'll switch to somebody else
1: yeah well then we see addison we kind of meet her and she has a friend who's a she goes over oh i was so confused craig maybe you're gonna have to help me out with this but she goes over to a friend's house she has a a, and, and then they they have some conversation with the friend's mother and all that and they're outside and then her friend has a brother who's a total jerk Kirk, yeah, Kirk the
0: jerk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Kirk the jerk. <laughs> Kirk, I'm so
0: clever. God, you sorry.
1: are, man. Oh my you gosh, are,
0: you're so you're so lucky to have me as your co-host i think
1: it's just because you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning you know and i'm at a disadvantage doing this right before bed at night so it's damn time Uh, i got you boo i I got you that's all right (laughs) (laughs) anyway kirk the jerk uh likes to catch animals and his sister accuses him them of like torturing them and killing them he catches them to kill them and all that, so we know that he's, you know, not a very nice person. And then, um, we also get to meet Buddy, who's the one you referred to earlier. Uh, There's all this stuff, I don't know, man, we don't have to go through all of it, but basically the way they're all connected is, Adson likes horses, and she has a horse, but of course their family can't afford food for the horse, they're have a bad reputation around town, or whatever. She's getting all her horse food and stuff from Buddy. But Buddy turns her down because they haven't paid their bills, but he feels bad about it. So he chases her back down the road and brings her hay after all. And, um, you know, he approaches his father. His father's angry that, you know, he's doing it. And so there's all this, like, sort of like silly little drama here that kind of means nothing. But uh, mm-hmm. I think they're boyfriend girlfriend or at least we're trying to establish that they have a, have a
0: crush on each other yeah <laughs>
1: and he's cute he's this dorky kid with freckles all over his face he's Cute guy. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but I, and I'm all about it, you know. And you know, we want to get to know these characters. We we want to, you know, start to care about them and stuff. But all of this is just kind of a slog, really. I felt like what was the movie we talked about the other day that felt like a lifetime drama for most? Yeah, no, we, Cujo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said that was kind of an interesting element of the movie, and here it just feels like a bunch of filler. It does. And and it's just like, it's just introducing all of
0: these characters so that we'll kind of know who they are when we get to the action sequences. And so you, I mean, yeah, I mean, we know who they are. Oh, okay. Addison likes horses. Oh, okay. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any difference. And Kirk's a jerk. Oh, okay. Well, he'll probably get killed. So but, yeah, it's just setting it up for these, you know, action sequences. And the action sequences are, are kind of fun, you know. Uh, the first one, like, Kirk and his, like, biker gang find the truck. And it's, you know, kind of a long scene where they're, like, looking at the truck and pounding on it. And one of them pees on it.
1: <laughs> you think somebody could be in there? Yeah. It's
0: warm. Of course it's warm, you dipshit. It's been sitting out in the sun.
1: Who'd dump it out here? Who wouldn't?
0: Finally, you know they they discover that it 's booby trapped, so they and they see the bodies in the back, so uh they go to take off on their bikes, but the truck shoots that ridiculously long spear on a wire rope and it it gets Kirk um, through the leg and eventually it reels him in and some of the a couple of the friends try to help him but one of them just the one who peed on the truck just takes off and it's really all inconsequential it's just a setup for the creeper to show up and he does like the and the way that he shows up is he comes down and he lands right on top of his truck and he is literally framed by the sun behind him so i mean again it's just broad daylight, here he is in all his scary glory or whatever, and the two that were trying to help Kirk run off, and and the creeper grabs this great big long spear and throws it at them, and he, he somehow nails them both through the back so they get speared to this tree. It's just, you
1: really have to suspend your disbelief when it comes to this guy's abilities. <laughs> yeah, and also, I don't know. I, I always feel like, in some, and I think I had this problem a little bit with the first two movies, although it wasn't that big of a deal. I always feel like the physics of everything is just a little off, like uh, his weapons and things and the things that it does to people are just a little too, like it, it reels this kid in, you know, and they're trying to pull it out, but they can't pull the spear out of his leg. I mean, it's this long spear. It's, I guess it's a little barbed. I guess, yeah. But then it proceeds to pull, reel him in toward the truck. So he's pulled up against the truck, and then the creeper shows up and all that. And then while the creeper is doing all this crap with his friends, he just kind of sits there. Yeah. You don't see him struggling against the spear. You don't see him, you know, trying to get away. You know, He just, he just kind of sits there. And later on... We have a scene. Oh, okay. we got to do this in order, right? There's all there's all the horse drama, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, yeah, the the next thing we get really is uh,
0: the old lady Galen. We've, she is digging wildly on the hill for something. And what she uncovers there will be significant. But um, first, her granddaughter, Addie, goes to get away from her crazy grandmother, goes with Buddy to deliver hay because that's what he does. You know, all of this is cutting back and forth between these different scenes. But eventually, when Addie and um, Buddy get to this place, it's like this big plantation. Uh, The first thing they see is that the horses are running away, which they find mysterious. And then they stop, and Buddy gets out, and he starts calling for people. And he looks around, and he sees that all of these farm workers are, like, hiding under the trucks. And the guys are like, go get help. Go get the sheriff!" um and they're you know vaguely saying it's it's around you know it's it took somebody and uh, of course buddy's like what are you talking about but he in, he gets back in the truck with Addison and then the creeper shows up and he throws a truck in the air and he he's like throttling one guy until he sees the young people in the truck and then he drops that guy and then he comes over to the truck and it's been established in the movies the previous movies that like he gets his sense like set on somebody, like he smells people out and like he is attracted to certain sense or whatever. And it becomes really obvious that he is uh, into Addy. And so, you know, he just stands there and menaces them for a little while and then, he huh. takes her.
1: <laughs> this this scene bothered me a little bit just because I didn't feel their acting was extremely convincing in the truck.
0: <laughs> yeah, they didn't seem as scared as I would have been, yeah.
1: No, they didn't seem as scared, and they were, again, they weren't really doing anything. Like, he didn't try to start the truck. He didn't, you know, whatever. They just let this creeper go into one window and sniff around. And then when he takes her, he flips the whole truck on its side. Uh-huh. And then the next scene or not Not long after that, we see Buddy drive up in that truck. Right. How did he flip this truck back <laughs> over? <laughs> <laughs> this kid who's in a daze, you know, because his girlfriend's been taken, and so...
0: Right, like, he's in shock. Like, he can't talk, but...
1: He can know. flip a truck you know, back, back upright. So that's, that's impressive.
0: And, and we're skipping around, you know, like, I I feel like they were really focused on the action, which is fine. You know, you don't want a boring movie. Like there's a scene where the, after um, the creeper has killed uh, Kirk's two friends, he is like loading their bodies or whatever, but then he smells the pee on his bumper and he's really mad that somebody peed on his truck so he chases the kid who ran away early on on his bike and like so like there's kind of this cool bike scene mm-hmm. and the bike like does this huge jump and then the, the creeper just swoops in and like gets the guy off the bike like just as an action sequence it looks really good and, yeah. and that's the thing like the movie's got stuff going for it it was too bright for me and not only was it too bright that it felt like it was really i don't know if this is the right word tell me if i'm wrong but it just felt very saturated like like really really bright yeah throughout and that kind of bothered me but i didn't even look to see what the budget on this movie was but there was just something about it that made it
1: feel cheap more cheap yeah the other two well there were some effects that were Really poor CGI. There were some of the explosion effects, in particular, of the cars and things like that, that were bad. And you're right, overall, it just kind of felt cheap. Victor Salva is really, really good at staging these action sequences. And he's really cinematic. He's got a great um, eye for putting some really iconic scenes and sequences together without doing too much um, ripping off of, you know, other things. What you said there was really unique. I mean, that whole, the bike flying in the air and the creeper just sweeping him up. And some of it's in slow motion. and, Mm -hmm. and, And through all of the movies, I've always, I felt like he had a real eye for this kind of thing. And this movie does have that going for it, at least. Um, the action sequences are pretty good. They're iconic, really, in a way. Many of them are, and so it's that that part is kind of nice. Even if the acting isn't always the greatest, even if, like you said, some of the effects I think made it feel cheap. Maybe the fact that it was all filmed during the day made it feel cheap. You Maybe. know, like a sitcom. You know, everything's brightly lit. There's an opportunity to use light and shadow, and you know, do kind of these cool things that you normally see in a, in a you know high budget horror film.
0: Well, and to me, like even a couple of the scenes that took place at night felt to me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it felt to me like it was not particularly well-executed day-for-night shots. Mm. And frankly, like, okay, so I feel like the other important subplot is that Galen digs up the hand. Like, I don't know, she looks at it for a second, and, and it moves, and that scares her, um, but it doesn't stop her from touching it, and it, it grabs her like she starts having visions and and this was kind of cool like her eyes go completely white they're almost completely white anyway but they go completely <laughs> white like the hand like kind of pulls her up so that she's suspended in the air and she's kind of convulsing you know obviously having these visions and eventually Dan and his sidekick Davis come and and to talk to her because apparently she's a member of Dan's group cuz she's dealt with the creeper or whatever that thing, if you put your hand on it, you see, you see how it came to be. And what it is. So Dan does, like they make this big production out of, you know, everybody kind of surrounds him and holds on to him so he won't get, I don't know, <laughs> what they're i don't know something kind of weird <laughs> yeah but he touches it and the same thing happens to him and he has these visions and i desperately wanted to know what they were seeing yeah but but we don't get any indication at all we don't. they don't they don't say anything specific the only thing that uh dan says later on is that um it's ancient like it's really old. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank God we know that. You know? Like... <laughs> and that's it. I felt like it was setting it up for a fourth movie. I felt like we're setting this up so that in the fourth movie, we can reveal to you what it is that they saw. But it kind of pissed me off. Like, yeah. give me something. Give me
1: something. Me too. Give me a small piece. or Or make it so that... Some knowledge that they have is going to be used to their advantage. At first, I thought, he's like, all right, you guys go here, you guys do this. He doesn't like this, he doesn't like that. But I felt like that was information we already knew. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, yeah, they've now, the two of them have seen something. So now they're going to be able to assemble this posse to more, more effectively deal with the creature because they know his weak point. But that really didn't seem to be the case at all. Uh uh-uh, nope. And so... Yeah, it was just like they had the knowledge of him and who he was. And so, you're right, it's just setting it up. And it had no bearing on the movie, and it pissed me off, too. Especially yeah. the second time around. Okay, I thought I was going to at least get this guy's vision. you know? Right. And we had just nothing. A, give, give me a flash of
0: something. A tiny piece.
1: <laughs> yeah, something I could piece right. together on my own. or You know, it would be smart. Preview the fourth movie a little bit. Give give everyone right. a little bit of mystery, you know, and get people talking about what, what, what could they have seen. You know, what, what did it all mean?
0: Well... And that's the other thing. Like, I feel like going in and with this script and with the way that he chose to deliver it, Salva must have felt fairly confident that he was going to get a fourth
1: movie. And I'm not confident he's going to get a fourth movie. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't been announced. This one. You know, you can go online, you can see some people said that it's happening or it's going to happen and he's got a script and all that stuff. But if you, I mean, I go into the IMDb Pro page of him and the only thing he has in development are two movies and this isn't one of them.
0: Yeah. Um, So, well, the the same thing was true about Part 3, though. I mean, there was a big span of time between Part 2 and Part 3, and it was rumored forever. Uh, And they, they kept saying, oh, yeah, the script is written, it's going into production, it's going into production. It took forever. So... Wonders never cease. You know, mm. we we may get a fourth one, but if we do, I have a feeling it's going to be a while.
1: You could be keeping it secret, you know, especially with all the controversy with him. You know, that, that caused a bit of, of a fl- fury around this movie when it was announced and talked about being cast. It always
0: does. It yeah. always does. Anytime he is behind a movie, and and again, like I, I get it. Those those people who don't want to see him celebrated, I get it. I do, and I, I don't want to go – I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to rehash You know why we have chosen to go ahead and do these things. But no. God, I don't know. I, I'm so conflicted about it because I don't want people to think that in any way that I condone that. I certainly, certainly don't, but I like watching movies. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right. So then, you know, there's really not much to it after that except for the action pieces. You know, the, the squad, you know, Dan's squad goes after the creeper and that's where they find him on the highway. And um, that's when we get the, like, you know, heat-seeking bombs or whatever, <laughs> the, the guided bombs or whatever. And yeah. it's not that that's not cool – it is kind of cool. It just seems out of place. Yeah. Like, so this ancient demon is also like some sort of like technician. Like,
1: yeah. When you when the movie's gone on this long, I mean, we're what 20, 30 minutes away from the end. Yeah. And they're still introducing new tricks and things that are pulling out of the hat that this guy has. You lose patience for it. Well, you you're not confident. You really know the rules and what's going on. And so, okay. It, next next time somebody comes up across and it looks like they're gonna win, he's gonna be shooting lasers out of the hubcaps, you know? Right, like right. You, it just it just opens the door to anything and uh you kinda lose trust in the movie at that point. I, I did anyway. I said, okay, all right, got these bombs, fine. Alright. Just get me to the end. I'm I'm curious to see what's going on with this disembodied hand and what these people saw and how it's gonna help them with the creature. And I'm just gonna accept the fact that all these contraptions and gadgets are going to pop out of this thing when the creature himself can't deal with them you know
0: (laughs) and it it doesn't make him scarier i think that you said it earlier on like it kind of neuters him like i want to think of him as being the thing to fear he's a demon or whatever he is for for pete's sake like that's good enough like he
1: doesn't need to have a batmobile it's like a sidekick you know yeah yeah he's not even in the truck half the time right and he's listening
0: to the police scanner to like know where people are and stuff like what like that's a very that's a very human thing you know like I want this guy to be a badass monster I don't want him to have to get on the police scanner to find out where people are um, ugh, gosh anyway so they're on the road and then there's this kind of cool scene where the the young guy who had the Mh mach- I, when I say machine gun, I'm not talking like something you could hold. I'm talking about one of those huge Anti. circular guns, like on a big tank or something. Yeah, it's a serious Gatling gun, yeah. And and the people, uh, you know, Dan and Davis, realize that the everything ricochets off this truck, which also doesn't make any sense. Like, they're shooting the tires. I read some uh, trivia that supposedly he has reinforced the tires with parts of his own skin, and that's why they can't be popped Okay, like <laughs> that, there is nothing to suggest that in the movie, but if I'm supposed to believe that, okay. Um, but anyway, the guy with the machine gun like shoots the machine gun at it, and all the bullets ricochet off and and come back and hit him. And it, I mean, it's but on its own, it's a, a a cool scene to to watch. And then right after that, Dan and Davis get one of the bombs blows up under their truck, and they get thrown off to the side of the road, and then they face off with the creeper. And it culminates with Dan getting behind the machine gun on this now disabled truck and the creeper comes running at him and he's running really fast and it's it's pretty scary and then he leaps into the air and it cuts into slow motion and mm. it looks fantastic. It's like, awesome oh it's such a cool scene with the creeper you know just kind of with his wings spread out slowly descending on this guy who's struggling with this gun and eventually he gets the gun it, it was jammed or something and he gets it unjammed um, and he starts shooting the creeper and he shoots him and so the bullets are going through him and like shooting out, I don't know, blood or whatever is inside this guy. And it's kind of coming out in these dust streams behind him. And it looks so cool. Like, if you did a freeze frame of any of the 10 seconds of that moment, you could frame it and hang it on the wall. Like, <laughs> like it, 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 it yeah. just looks great but ultimately it doesn't really amount to anything because they just, you know, collapse to the ground together and then the creeper gets up and walks away <sighs> and magic and magically summons his hatchet out of the guy's face. Well, and that's and that's
1: that's it. Here's the problem with this scene. As awesome as it is, and the fact that it's so awesome makes it so iconic. He's drawing attention to this. This is a climactic scene. This is Danny's badass moment. And we've been with Danny all since the beginning. If there, As much as it bounces back and forth and stuff between these two char- all these characters, Danny is sort of the glue that holds this story together. You know, he's kind of the one guy who's like, touches all of these little, little stories and is leading the charge against this thing. And has this, apparently, some deep background knowledge of him, which has been enhanced by his holding the hand of this thing. He has this yeah. iconic little scene. It's fantastic. And then we see that, oh, his hatchet went in Danny's head anyway, and Danny's now dead. It's like, what? Right. If anybody was going to make it to the next movie, it should have been him. Well, yeah. And then even if he doesn't, give him a fight. Like, he had a fight. And then it's like, such a lame... He doesn't... I mean, let him go down... I mean, I guess in, kind
0: of he does. But let, let him go down in a blaze of glory or, you know, let us, let us see him put up more of a fight. I don't know. I mean, the gun thing was cool, but yeah, it just happens so quickly. It's it's kind of a letdown, as is the whole movie, frankly. I mean, and meanwhile, Addison has just been in the back of the Creeper's truck for, I don't know, half an hour uh, at this point. And there was a scene where she, you know, she and Kirk were both alive back there. Like, they were tied up like they were bodies, but they were both alive, and they both kind of get out of their restraints or whatever, and Kirk gets killed with one of the booby traps. And then there's kind of a new... Another scene where the creeper realizes that... Addie is alive. And so it looks like he's going to kill her. And they struggle... And she uses the same... I don't even know if she does it intentionally. It almost seems like it was just kind of an accident. But um, the, same, the same booby trap that killed Kirk gets the creeper, too. And this spike goes through his head. And I feel like this is the scene that you were referring to earlier. Yep. This was so good. <laughs> it's funny because his, his eyeballs start bulging out like Jim Carrey in the mask or something.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> and then one of them and- pops out pop sound falls on her and she were I, I i half expected her mouth to be open screaming and it popped into her mouth or something <laughs> it was just it was hilarious and i actually really liked that part i thought oh my gosh this is so much like the scene and she runs out of the truck uh, and then the creeper starts coming after her but um he's dis- he's incapacitated in other ways too the
0: implication that i got was that because this went right through his head it just kind of generally incapacitated him I actually liked that, because it's the first time in the movie, and it's at the very end, that he's, like, incapac- incapacitated at all. Um, and so, like, he tries to fly, and we've seen him do it before. Like, he usually is just, you know, very gracefully swoops up into the air. And this time, only one wing opens. And we have seen him... Uh, throw things at people from hundreds of yards away and just (laughs) nail them with complete precision. And now he's trying to throw things at her, but because he's only got one eye, he can't
1: aim and so things are just kind of flying around her <laughs> he's switching the spear from side from shoulder to shoulder trying to get uh, the uh, right the, the eye to line up i mean it's pretty funny and th- it I, I was, this was really missing from most of the movie and this was an aspect of the previous films that i thought was so cool about them was this he's got a bit of a personality to him and he's not invincible but for most of the movie he is and he has no personality <laughs>
0: right. Well, and and then that's the thing, you know, like, he chases for a little bit, and then, like you said, he gets hit by a semi, um, but he's not dead. He kills the truck driver as Addison runs away, and then that's it. Like, that's the end. Like, she got away, and Buddy... Finds her and Buddy and the grandma find her and they all hug in the middle of the road um, and that's just kind of the end of it and like you I guess you know that that's how you know he's not going to die at the end because yeah you know in part two he's still around and, and killing people but it and it just kind of it felt like a letdown there was no really any climactic battle um, and. <sighs> none of the stories really got wrapped up at all. Like, yeah. ultimately, the whole thing with Gale and the old lady, like, it didn't really amount to anything. Like, I mean, uh-huh. I guess it could kind of maybe pay off if there gets to be a, f- a fourth movie. Um, but uh, we didn't really learn anything.
1: No, and the hand <laughs> thing is so nebulous. Like, I don't even understand. Like, So that was that was a piece of him that was cut off. And unlike other pieces of him, this thing suddenly has the will now to grant visions to the people who, who possess it. Uh, yeah. Is it, is well, it gone and rogue? You know,
0: I, and he. <laughs> And, and the creeper is super concerned about finding it. Like, he doesn't yeah. want people to find his secret. And, like, so then when he goes to find it where it was buried, he finds it. But they've written a big note that says, we know what you are. And, like, he, like, drops to his knees in agony and screams and all the crows drop dead. Like, right. what? Like, why? Why is he so concerned?
1: Well, and it, and it begs the question, why didn't he just go straight for the hand from the beginning? why yeah. was he doing all this other stuff like he wasn't on some journey you know this guy can this guy can fly in and, and does fly in and swoop in anywhere he wants and his truck can power itself up and run around and take care of itself just fine right. you know why didn't he just go straight for the hand that's what her dead son was warning her about but we yes. spent you know an hour and a half getting to that point
0: point. and i don't know you know i read this on imdb so pretty much anybody can contribute to that. So I don't know if this is really canon, but, you know, what I read about, oh, he reinforced the tires with, you know, pieces of his own body so that they couldn't be punctured or whatever. Okay, well, could
1: somebody go touch
0: his tires and have visions? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> he doesn't seem particularly concerned about that. He chased that eyeball down. If anything could give you visions, that eyeball should be able to. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then there's
0: the little ending where... Buddy comes to see Addie, and they kind of are like, oh, we made it, whatever, and then he he gets on the bus. And and I guess that's kind of satisfying. It ties it to the other movie, um, even though logically it doesn't make any sense. And then it, the end end is this voiceover We had a narrative voiceover in the beginning That kind of did a little tiny bit of recap Just kind of establishing or reestablishing for us um, What the lore of the creature was That it comes back every 23 years or whatever And then at the end we get the narration again And it turns out that the narrator is Trish From the first movie
1: This 23rd Spring is a call to arms We will not fail, and we will not fear. My name is Trisha Jenner, and this time when it comes, I will destroy the thing that killed my brother. So? Come and get me, you son of a bitch
0: we see her as though she's writing this on a blog or something. I liked that. Like, I, I I wish... I don't know. I wish there had been more of her. I would have preferred to see her be more essential part of the movie. And I know that like you said, I also read online the script is done. There, you know, sh- she, the actress, the original actress who played Trish is signed on, but I read that for years about the third movie too and yeah. uh, it didn't come to fruition. So, who knows if it'll ever happen. I'm at this point whereas I was super excited about the third one, I'm far less enthusiastic. If if a fourth one comes out, I will have high hopes and I will give it a shot, but part three was not a good indicator for me. And really, you know, by its own merits, if, if you were to take it out of the trilogy and it was just its own movie, it's not bad on, on its own. It's not bad. I just think that it pales in comparison um,
1: to the first two. And so it was a disappointment for me. That's that's an interesting point. If you were to just watch this movie and not see the first two, you might have a whole different take on it. Well, you wouldn't be pissed off that this truck can do all these amazing things. Right. You know, maybe some of the story, you know, between all the different characters and the backstory would be intriguing to you because you'd feel like it's it's getting somewhere. And, you know, one of the things that I think and made the first movie good, but was a little frustrating for some people, I think, is that, you know, there's no explanation, like, what where this guy is. And, you know, there's so little information um, about... His backstory and it really gets teased here. Not if not a mu- not much, but at least gets teased that it's knowable information. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe if you did see this by itself, you'd probably come away with a better impression of it than if you saw it as as the third in the in, in the series. But yeah. I wouldn't say that there's a machete order. Like you need to see the third one and then go back and watch the first one and then the, the second one. You know. Well,
0: you could. I mean, you you could watch one, three, two, and mm-hmm. then they would be in sequential order and maybe you would be left with a little better taste. I don't, But even that doesn't make sense, because then why is the... Tr- the truck is so pivotal in the third one, and then it doesn't appear in the second one at all. Like, I don't know. There's there's just some inconsistencies. But whatever. It's a horror series. You know, if we were to talk about any other... You know, look at Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or any of those others. There's, there's all kinds of inconsistencies, so... And much worse movies. This... Yeah, so, so maybe maybe we're being a little bit too harsh on it, but...
1: Yeah. Well, that's our job. <laughs> that's why we make the big bucks. <laughs>
0: <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you for listening again to us. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us some feedback or if you would uh, share it with uh, a friend or friends. If you're new to us, you can always go back to our website at two Guys. Dot red 40 dot
1: net. is that it Todd too close <laughs> no it's two guys red40 net dot com. there you go okay uh, we also have a Facebook page at
0: two guys in a chainsaw you can look us up on stitcher Google Play iTunes all kinds of places and uh, again we we love to hear from you we thank you all of you who submitted s- suggestions for us to do this month if we didn't get to you don't be discouraged we will certainly continue to do requests so um, if we didn't get to you. Maybe remind us of the things that you'd like to see, or if uh, you have any new requests, let us know. Until next time, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw.